Welcome to episode number 58 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where we're helping academics change the world through online business. This podcast where we're helping you by giving you the tools, the tips, the strategies, and the tricks you need to succeed in building an online business around your expertise and change the world with the difference that you want to make with your online business. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about newsletter marketing. More specifically, the analytics from a marketing campaign that I ran for my 2020 Digital Dust Safety Conference at DustSafetyScience.com. Those of you that have been listening for a while will know this is part of the Marketing Your Online Conference series that we do at Grabblogger, and this is the third episode in this series. What is a podcast series? This is like multi-threading. It's like when you're watching Netflix and you have all these different stories in one show and they kind of jump in and out. We do that with the podcast as well. So every so often we'll bring up an old thread that we've started or an old series that we started previously in the podcast talk about that more. In the case of this conference thread, Marketing Your Online Conference Series, the reason we're bringing this up now is that we're done the conference now. The couple of episodes that we did before were during the the marketing phase of of doing the conference. We actually hosted the conference back in February 2020. We had a great event. Now we're going back through all the analytics and tracking and figuring out where things went really well and where maybe they didn't go so well. And I'll share those over the Grabblogger podcast. So if you have not listened to the previous episodes before, the Dust Safety Conference was hosted from DustSafetyScience.com. Um, we had almost 250 people attend and register for the event. This is a fully online event, four days with 52 presentations. And we, through that process, I tried to record as many as the marketing decisions I could and also track all the analytics I could so I could come and then share them back on this podcast or Grabblogger so they'd be valuable for you in building your online commerce that you might launch, but also for marketing your products and your services for your online business. So that's really the point of these episodes, and to help you with the marketing lessons I had to learn the hard way, uh, share those out so that you can actually implement them right away in your business. This, again, can be applied to online events, can be applied to products, to services that you're doing. A lot of these marketing lessons learned can be applied across a broad range of what you're doing online. So I mentioned that this is the third episode in this series on marketing your online conference. The first episode, which was back in Grabblogger, episode 44, was get your sales sequence right. Let's talk about how to improve your sales sequence. I said step one was get something up, anything up, track the numbers for a set period. In our case, we did this for about two months. We analyzed the numbers and determined what was working and what wasn't working. It actually turned out that in that episode, I cover a lot of the background there, but direct email was working. So I emailed directly 100 people to attend the conference. We had about 50 people want to attend. But our online sales sequence we had a sales page and we had people coming in, traffic coming in, was just not converting well. And I talked about that in detail in that episode. But the end result was that at the start of 2020, basically we had eight weeks left before the conference and I had to redo the whole marketing plan, redo the whole sales page. And that's what we're talking about a lot in these, these uh, podcast episodes as part of this series. So the initial sales page that I had converted at about 0.1 to 0.2%. Um, as we'll get to in, in this episode and the next episode of the podcast, the new sales page ended up converting around 5% across all different marketing channels that we had. If you want to look at a checklist that we use to build the sales page, the order page, and the thank you page for that sales sequence, you can get that from episode 44 of the Grabblogger podcast at grabblogger.com slash 44. The second episode in this Marketing Your Online Conference series was episode 45, and this was how to market your newsletter. So one of the marketing channels that we identify as being critical to having success in the conference 
coming into 2020 was our, our own personal newsletter. That's where we're getting a lot of traffic. We weren't converting people to actually attending the event or buying a ticket to, to register for and attend the event. So in that episode, episode 45, we talked about the six steps to creating a, a newsletter marketing plan. Step one was commit to an active strategy. Step two was to make sure you have checkpoints. Step three was to have an audience, your audience complete a survey. Step four was to organize the survey results. Step five was to select themes for each newsletter. Step six was to write and then send the emails. In the time at which I released that episode, we were actually part of the way through our, our email newsletter marketing sequence for the conference. We were having some really great results. We shared a lot of the lessons learned, how we actually developed those in that previous podcast episode. In today's episode, we're revisiting the newsletter marketing strategy or the newsletter marketing channel and looking at what are the analytics from the whole eight weeks that we had leading up the conference. How many sales did we generate through the newsletter? What were the conversion rates? Um, what were the lessons learned? And wrapping that into uh, information you can use again to market the products and services and even events that you're running as part of your business. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the newsletter marketing channel. In the next episode of the podcast, which should likely come out next week, we'll look at the other three marketing channels that we looked at, which were website capture. So as people come into a website, how to convert them into viewing the sales page for the event and then registering. Social media through LinkedIn videos and then external sharing. This was press and media partners for the event. So we'll talk about those three in next week's podcast episode. In this week's podcast episode, we're focused solely on the newsletter marketing as that was our biggest success story um, and biggest route to get people to attend the event. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what were the final sales results for the conference, how many people attended, um, what were the results of analytics tracking. We're going to review our newsletter marketing analytics. Again, this is kind of an update from the last episode in this series, but it gives the whole eight weeks, um, 10 emails that we sent over those eight weeks, and what the results were from those. And also, what were the main takeaways and how can you apply them in your business as well? A lot of the questions I get around newsletter marketing are not sure how to put it together the campaign, not sure what headlines to use for the emails. So we actually took these 10 emails that we delivered over eight weeks for the conference and put them up into a swipe file package that you can download when you look at this episode. So if you go to grabliar.com slash 58, you can download the exact emails that we use for our email campaign and modify those then to sell your event or your product, your service that uh, you're releasing through your, your business and your website as well. So before we get into the actual newsletter analytic results, I want to talk about what were the, the final sales and results for the conference? What kind of volume of people did we actually achieve? And how do we do the analytics capturing that we're then talking about in this episode or the next episode? In terms of the event itself, we had almost 250 attendees from over 25 countries, people that were in 12 different time zones. So it really helped to have this as an online event because we recorded each presentation. And they're also available then inside the, the community and the platform that we built um, as part of building out the conference. There's 20 different industry segments, including in my space of industrial safety, including engineering services, consultants, industrial specialists, equipment providers, facility owners and operators, health and safety team leads, and yes, academic research is attended as well, which is where my background comes from, obviously. We crossed a bunch of different industries as well, agricultural, biotech, chemical, consumer products, food and beverage, pharmaceutical, paints, resins, power generation, plastics, and many others attended this as a global event, a global four-day conference to learn about industrial safety around fire and explosion protection. So it was a great outcome. It was a great event. Our kind of uh, big, hairy, scary goal was to have a 1,000 people, and getting a quarter of those people, getting 250 to attend the event, was really a great feather in, in 
my hat and a great feather in the team's hat at Dust Safety Science. So it was really a, you know, a great outcome for us. In terms of financial outcome, general emissions for the conference ranged between $175 per ticket for the pre-sales ticket, $225 per ticket for the early bird, and $275 for the normal price tickets leading up to the event. We also charge speakers, so there's $575 price for industry speakers and a $350 price for university speakers. They also got full admission to the event and the conference and all of that. But we did have people actually pay to speak because it's good to promote out to the community that we have as well. Uh, with all this in mind, the number of people that we actually had attending, we had between $60,000 and $70,000 in revenue from organizing this event. And it took about um, six months or so from the very beginning phases of opening the first Google Doc to brainstorm to actually hosting the event. We'll actually talk about that whole process of how we hosted the event, what we did afterwards in terms of following up and what we're doing with the community that we now built um, in later episodes, probably as part of the same podcast series as well. So that gives you an idea what the financial outcome is. And this was you know, a big, uh, significant portion of our revenue for 2019. And 2020 was really based on this conference. And we haven't finalized the numbers yet because um, we're still working through our finances for the event. But it looks like it's between sixty dollars and $70,000 in revenue. The results from the people that attended, we did do a post-event survey. Again, we'll review this in a later podcast episode as part of actually delivering the event. But there's a lot of great feedback there. We had really good scores in net promoter score, which is a way you can rank how your um, event or service or product was seen by the people that, uh, that use it. And we had a lot of great emails, including a message that somebody said, where's the best conference they had ever attended online or offline in terms of the topics and the program that we put together, but also the technical delivery. They said it felt like they were listening to it at a real live event because everything was on time, every video worked, there were no drop connections. It was just so smooth operating. So very positive feedback for the conference itself. The way we went about capturing the analytics that we're reporting here in this podcast were that we created multiple sales pages. And again, you can go to episode 44 of the podcast to learn about what our final sales sequence was for the last eight weeks leading up to the conference. And a little bit of a backstory on that, I guess. We sold tickets directly um, through email for the first, I think, two or three months. And things were looking really great. <laughs> we sold, uh, I sent over 100 emails or right around 100 emails. We had 50 people purchase tickets to the event. And then all through December, we had basically nobody sign up. So I was really getting worried. I you know, was pretty nervous because it looked like we might end up with more speakers at the event than actual people attending. So I rewrote the whole marketing plan. We came with a new sales page in December and launched that in January 1. And then we had eight weeks from January 1 to register people for the event. Um, we went from you know having 50 people attending to over, almost 250 the day we actually had the event. So that gives you an idea of both the timelines that were involved, but also you know, how nerve-wracking it was. And that's why I want to share this on the Grab Blogger podcast was I don't want you to have to have that nerve-wracking time in the middle when you're like, oh, is this going to work? Are people actually going to subscribe and attend the conference? And if we didn't redo a lot of things that we redid, we wouldn't have nearly as many people attend the conference as we did. So in terms of the analytics then, we had separate, we had to copy the sales page for each of the marketing channels, then multiple copies if we were tracking the individual things from the channels. We tried to only send one channel to this page. That way we could track how many people we're getting from the channel to the individual page. So say from LinkedIn video promotions to the sales page. And we could also track how many people converted on that sales page and try just you know to keep track of where all the sales were coming from. That's how we got the analytics that we're looking at today. We tracked 122 ticket sales over eight weeks. 
Um, This came from 2,443 sales page visits, which resulted in 465 order page visits. And at the end of the day, then 123 of these people ended up buying the, the registering for the conference. So just by summary, we had a sales page, which is like the, the how, explain what the conference is. You click buy now, that would take you to an order page where you put your credit card details in. Uh, if you click buy from there, then credit card's charged, you're added to the, the conference platform, um, then you're registered as a, as a sale. So 2,443 sales page visits in eight weeks, 465 people click through to the order page, 123 of those end up actually purchasing a ticket. So we have the percentages then 19% of the people clicked from the sales page to the order page and over a quarter of the people, 26.5% of those went and bought a ticket. Um, And at the end of the day, we had a 5% conversion. So every 100 people that viewed the sales page, five of those would actually go buy a ticket to the event, which was actually a really great result considering our sales page when we first started, again, we talked about this in episode 44, was converting at like 0.1 or 0.2%. So very, very low conversion rates for the first couple of months with the not near as nice sales page that we did early on. And the not near as nice sales page, we actually copied, I talked about this in episode 44, but we copied conference pages from academic conferences. Instead, in at start of January, we redid it. I did two video sales page. We talked about that episode um, and that gives a, a much better converting sales page. Again, converting between, say, 2% for one of our lower marketing channels up to 8% for our newsletter marketing channel, which we'll talk about today. So one question you might be asking is, okay, we mentioned that we tracked 123 tickets from start to finish, but you know why couldn't we track all 250? So one thing is that we, we didn't have the tracking in place when we pre-sold the event. Um, so when we had our first 50 people buy, we were just doing it directly. There were no sales pages. Most of the speakers then were bought in that first round. It also doesn't include anyone that paid by direct invoice. So we did have an option where people, if they didn't want to pay by credit card, because a lot of companies' employees were paying um, and then getting reimbursed by the company, they could request an invoice through us. Um, and we did give away some comp tickets to media partners and keynote speakers as well. And we did have some issues with our analytics tracking in the first week, um, particularly with our newsletter uh, analytics, because we had a couple links in our newsletter that didn't go through the right system we had set up to track the analytics. So this gives you an idea, but the numbers that we're talking about here in this episode are from the 123 ticket sales that we actually were able to track um, over that eight-week period. And that's a pretty good percentage. We had 50 sales before then, so that's 170. So there's around another 70 sales that are unaccounted for um, or done directly through uh, through ddsc2020.com, which was a, a redirect website that we set up that we weren't able to track where traffic came from to that as well. So this gives you an idea of some of the background around the analytics capturing process. Now we're going to go through and look at the newsletter marketing campaign specifically, um, and what are some of the things we can pull out of that. So again, we started talking about this in episode 45 of the podcast, where we were about three weeks in, um, and by that point had sold, I think, around 40 or 50 tickets. And the question is, how did the, you know, the rest of the eight weeks play out? And that's what we're going to talk about. So a couple things about our newsletter. The email list is around 1,800 people. This was the second email we were sending weekly. So we send an email every Sunday. The sales emails for the conference were sent every Wednesday. And we did this over eight weeks. And for two of the emails, two of the weeks, we actually sent two emails, one on Wednesday and one on Friday as a follow-up. This was for the last chance to buy an early bird ticket and the last chance to buy a ticket for the event in general. On Fridays, those weeks, we sent a follow-up email just saying, hey, just a reminder not to miss out. Um, here's the link again if you want it. As people bought, they were removed from the sales email list. 
or untagged from that list. So we didn't keep sending sales emails to people that already bought, um, but they still were getting our Sunday newsletter emails. The other thing to mention is I kind of already mentioned it, but uh, we did have a mask link at ddsc2020.com, which took you to the sales page as well. So a lot of the stuff that we created, a lot of the physical things, we created some PDF programs and stuff that we'll talk about a little bit later, had the link DDSC2020 written so that people could actually type that directly into their toolbar. And we did, those were a big majority of the 70 people that we couldn't track came in through that uh, approach. And we couldn't figure out where they came from from that because they just typed directly into their news bar or directly into their, uh, their website bar. So in terms of the newsletters themselves, we sent 10 emails. Again, this is one per week for eight weeks, plus one last chance early bird email and one last chance to attend the conference email. I'll just go through the 10 emails um, and say the headline, maybe talk about it, a bit about them and say how many sales they generated. So week one was the subject met line was you asked, we answered. And this was from the, the concept for this was from the survey that we ran before we did the newsletter campaign. It took the number one question that the most people had that we could add the most value to and answered it in that email. And then just put explanation of how you'd even learn even more, learn about other topics at the conference. This email generated four direct sales um, from sending this email, which maybe it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's going to be between $800 and $1,000, depending on the price of the tickets. The second email we sent on week two was the program announced for the 2020 Digital Dust Safety Conference with an exclamation mark. Um, in this one, we actually sent a PDF as an attachment or a link to an, uh, a download of the four-day conference, what all the 52 presentations were, and really celebrated all the great keynote speakers we had. Actually, we didn't even launch the keynote speakers then. All the great regular speakers that we had um, talking about the event. And this email had seven sales. We also talked about what the different topics were and, again, tied this back to things we learned from the survey that we ran in terms of the objections people might have and also the benefits that they wanted from the conference. So this email resulted in seven sales and had 170 people download the conference PDF program. So it's really interesting because now there's 70 ver- or 170 versions of this PDF floating around. People can be forwarding it to their coworkers, to their colleagues, and also generating buzz about the event outside of our newsletter system as well. So that's a really good tip to include a download PDF of the program and try to do that early on in the, the process as well. And we didn't have all of our keynote speakers lined up when we sent this out, but that actually gave us another chance to to talk and bring up when we put the when we finalized the keynote speaker list as well. Week three's email was don't miss the boat dot 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 and this was all around the early bird ending of the early bird pricing for the conference. So in this email I put still not sure if you want to attend the 2020 Digital Dust Safety Conference. Now is the time to take advantage of the early bird pricing. I've talked a bit about was included and then I put five questions. So I, I, this actually came from, again, the survey and what people wanted to see from the conference. But I, I put the five questions that we were getting from community members about the event and just addressed them right in the email. So question one was, can I access the material after the live conference? Question number two was, what are the main benefits of attending? I just put bullet point uh, benefits. Question number three, but the cost was too high or is too high. I put a breakdown of what the cost would be between this and a live event of the same caliber, even anything close to the same caliber demonstrate that they're saving $800 to $2,000, depending on how you slice it. Question number four, when and where's the conference? Again, we were getting these questions. People would email us and say, well, where's this conference again? And they just didn't really compute that it was an online event and they could attend from anywhere. So we addressed that, raised a question in this email. 
And then question five was, what was the technical program? Even though we just released the program, the email before, we're still getting people emailing us that didn't read that email, wanting to know what was part of the event. So we include the technical program right there as well. So this email, the didn't buy survey, um, the week three emails made about 31 sales of the conference, which is really exciting. About half of these sales came from this email and half came from a very simple short email that we sent on Friday just saying something like, hi, name, just a reminder that the early bird pricing for the digital safety conference is due uh, closing at 12 o'clock tonight and just to um, get the ticket now if you want to save on the discount price or something along those lines. So those two emails uh, combined made 31 sales in week three of the conference. Week four of the conference, five and six, we started just covering different areas and different benefits of the conference. So in week four... The email was, uh, the subject line was dust safety quick hits. This again went back to the event survey and answered the top five questions that people had. So again, just illustrating the knowledge that we have as a collective, as part of this community, but also tying that then to what they'll learn at the conference and the event. This email made four sales. And then the fifth week's email was the pre-event survey revisited. So in this case, we took the survey results showed them to the community and showed how we turned that into the program that we're having at the event to address all of those concerns. This email made three sales. So in email six, I was getting a little squirrely and trying to figure out what I should be writing about. I had all the benefits and the objections from the survey, but it's still getting hard to write these emails. So in this one, actually, you did something totally different. I tried to go with a story-based email. So the subject line was, you don't even have to wear pants, dot, dot, dot. And this was sort of a new one for me, and I'll read some of the... Uh, some of the email here. So it goes, um, you don't even have to wear pants, dot, dot, dot. That's the subject line. And then the, the email reads, so there I was, jet lagged, sore back, hungry, and my feet were killing me. I'd flown from Halifax to Toronto, missed my flight to Heathrow, eventually made it and connected to Shanghai, then flew north to Dalian. 30 hours and counting, one real meal, and why on earth did I put so much in my backpack? Sing weighs a ton, and I'll never read the four process safety books I brought. Now I'm standing on the trade show floor at the largest international symposium dedicated to research into industrial explosion. It's a great event, but why don't these booths have any mats? Man, my feet are killing me. There has to be a better way. And then I put in bold text, does this sound familiar to you? And then I talked about why we're running a live event, why your feet aren't going to be sore, why you don't even have to wear pants if you don't want to, although I very much encourage it at this event. Um, this was something that's new for me. Again, it was kind of fun. And I actually got to showcase, I took screenshots of what's inside the conference platform, parlayed into this whole story of how hard it is to travel for conferences, especially if you're going international, especially if you're going to be in three or four airports and missing time at work and all these things. So really try to dig into the, the benefits of having an online conference. So this email made four sales, but it was the most responded to email. I had half a dozen or maybe even a dozen people emailed me directly and say, that was an amazing email. They loved it. And there seemed to be a contingent out of Germany that found it really funny as well. I'm not sure. I'd say half of the people that replied seemed to be from that country. I don't know if it's a, that kind of humor or something, but it was quite funny. But it was a big engagement email. I can't help but think if we did more of these into our marketing sequence, we might even see more results. And it kind of had this whole story. It got a lot of open, a pretty high open rate, um, obviously because the, the name said you don't even have to wear pants. So it's kind of instructive to see this, this story-based approach. I just want to put one of those in there to see how it, it uh, played out. In the seventh week, so this was just two weeks before having the event, we released an email subject line six, the number six, reasons to attend DDSC 2020. This was kind of a play on words as well because we were actually releasing the final six keynote speakers that we were 
featuring at the event. So we had some of the keynote slots already open. I was doing uh, three of them myself as well. And these were the, you know, the, the big shots or the, the big groups that were really important um, to, to present the keynotes at the event. And we actually had an exceptional group here. We had uh, government organizations. We had uh, large industrial associations that were presenting keynotes on how fire and explosion safety are impacting them and what they're seeing from a very broad view, which really helped to frame the really technical discussions that were going on through the rest of the conference. So I was really proud and really happy about um, the keynote lineup that we had for the event, and the attendees really liked it as well. So this was email number seven. It made three sales. Then the last week, we had an email that was just don't miss out again. I think we will pull the email up. That email was, I believe, focused on the objections again as well. Because the one that focused on the objections was the the best performing email from the start. That was email number three that sold the early bird tickets and focused on objections. Really thought, well, it's probably the best to use what's working again for the last email. And we did that in the last week. We were able to make an additional 15 sales for the conference. So there you have it. That was eight weeks of emails in just a couple minutes. Um, and I believe the total is 71 sales. And we also had three people to reach out directly for invoices that we could track back to the newsletter as well. So it made a total of 74 sales overall from the email newsletters. So you see we had a big spike when we did our, our last chance in early bird pricing, another big spike at the end of the conference, you know, right before the conference was hosted, and then really ranging between three and seven sales per email um, every week in the, the middle there. And, and again, this didn't end up being, you know, a small chunk of income. It, on the low end is around $1,000 per week to 2000 And then the, the big weeks we had, you know, five to $10,000 worth of sales just from the email newsletter itself. So again, if you're curious about what headlines we use, about what text, what the copy was that were put in there, what kind of images, you can get the whole uh, 10 email series. The, again, we use it over eight weeks, but there's 10 emails. You can get that all at grablar.com slash 58. And you can use it as a template to build your own email sequence out for your product or your service or your event as well. So I encourage you to go check that out and download that. So in terms of an overall summary, the newsletter sent over 900 people to the sales page for the conference throughout the eight-week period. 194 of these click through to the order page, and then 74 of these actually purchased tickets to the conference. So the overall conversion from the sales page for the newsletter, the people that are coming in through the newsletter marketing channel, was that over 8%, 8.1% people of the people that viewed the sales page bought. So this is a really good number considering that we were converting at you know 0.1 or 0.2% in the early days for the conference with our old, sale, our old sales channel. Also just that the way that we structured emails were address, addressing the questions people have from the survey, also addressing the objections that they have really helped to boost that conversion process because um, 8% is a, you know, a pretty high conversion rate for a sales page. You might be asking more about the, you know, thinking in your head, what was the more with newsletter analytics? So again, the, the list is around 18,000, 1,800 people rather. We had a Average of 28.8% open rate through all the emails. Started at about 35 and at about 23 as we you know, went through the eight weeks. We had an average click to open rate of 14%. This started at 17% for the first emails and then at 12% as we get to the, the last emails of the, the eight-week process. So there's two really reasons for the, the percentages of the opening and clicking to decrease. One is potentially people are getting fatigued from seeing the conference emails. But uh, also the people that were clicking and buying were being removed from the list. So that's just going to naturally make the, the number of opens and clicks decrease as well. So I want to just summarize five key takeaways then from this whole process. So we had 
you know, a, a sales sequence that was working pretty well in terms of direct outreach, but wasn't converting very well from our newsletter or online sources. We rewrote our sales page. We came up with a four-step marketing plan. One of those steps or one of those channels was the newsletter, which we talked about in this episode. What were the big takeaways for the overall conference, the sales from this newsletter selling process? So takeaway number one is that the newsletter was by far our strongest marketing channel. 37% of the sales page views of people that actually viewed the sales page. Again, that was in the eight weeks that we were tracking. 2,443 sales page visits overall. 37% of those were directly from our own newsletter. 60% of the purchases, the people actually bought tickets that we were able to track, bought it from our newsletter. Again, that's because of the conversion rate from the people looking at the sales page, actually buying tickets was quite high at 8%. So saying this another way, we you know would have had only half the conference, half the size of the conference that we would have had if we didn't do this direct marketing campaign to our newsletter. We'd only had maybe 125, 150 people at the conference, said 250 people, just get an idea of you know what that meant to the, the bottom line and the number of people that attended. Second takeaway is that running a survey is critically important. Uh, running a survey and coming up with a plan of attack for how you're going to do these email newsletters. So again, in episode 45 of the podcast, you can um, hear about my process. I actually think I talk about the survey that we ran, what the questions were, um, and how we turn those into the benefits that the conference is going to have for the audience, but also the objections that they may have, things like not having the time to attend or price or all those things. And we actually address those then directly in the emails that we are sending from this survey. So we get the, the people that answer the survey to tell us their problems. You can frame these into benefits and what their questions about the events are. And you frame these into the objections they need to overcome in your whole sales sequence. So this goes into your sales page or newsletter and all the rest of your marketing sequence elements as well. The third key takeaway here is to have checkpoints. You want to have things like early bird pricing. You want to have an excuse to give time urgency to people. So early bird pricing or uh, maybe uh, something they can download like an add-on to the event. Um, these are ways to actually go and, and put some time pressure on the attendees to buy now. And usually it's that it can be at a reduced rate or for some sort of added benefit. Um, in our case, we had the early bird pricing. And again, our best week was 31 sales directly from the newsletter. This was the end of the early bird pricing. Our second best week was the the week before the conference. And again, it was the last chance for people to attend the conference. And we had, I think, 15 sales that week. Yes. Takeaway number four, and this comes kind of follows directly on with having checkpoints, is to send follow-up emails, especially on the checkpoints. So in our case, and you hear the quote, the money is in the follow-up. In our case, we had half of our sales from the early bird and half of our sales from the last chance happened on the, the Friday email following up just saying, hey, just wanted to send you a reminder that this is due now. Here's where you got to go if you don't want to miss the opportunity to attend. And again, this would have been around 30 tickets or so from those two um, follow-up emails. So you need to make sure you're having those in there. It's the easiest way to double your sales. And then takeaway number five, uh, consider sending out a PDF of the program. This worked really well for us. We had at least 170 downloads, plus people could email directly to others. Right on the cover, we put ddsc2020.com, which redirected to the sales page so people could directly enter um, and see what the conference is about there. So this is a really good way to do it. You can send it out to all the speakers, encourage them to share as well because it has their photos in it, it has their names and the titles that they're talking about. So it's a really good way to help raise awareness for the event. So that's it in this episode of the Grab Blogger podcast. We are talking through this whole marketing your online conference series. This is part three in the earlier series episodes, uh, 44 and 45. 
We talked about building out your sales sequence and also the preliminary stage of marketing to your newsletter. This one, we talked about what are all the, the analytics from all the newsletters that we sent over this eight-week period. We came up with five takeaways. One, your newsletter is going to be the strongest marketing channel. Two, was to run a survey and develop a plan. Three, was to have checkpoints and stop gaps so you put time pressure or um, time urgency into those emails. Takeaway number four was to send follow-up emails on these checkpoints. Takeaway number five was considering sending out early a PDF of the program or even a draft PDF of the program is going to be so people can share and get excited. I want to say two other points on this. One is that your, your newsletter must exist. In order for this to work, you must have a newsletter. And people must also click and open your newsletter. So this is really something you can't do, you know, if you want to have a conference in three months and you don't have this already, you need to have it before you want to have a conference. You got to water the flowers before they grow or, you know, dig the well before you're thirsty or there's all these different sayings you can use. But it's something you got to be doing and building up as part of your business assets all along. Uh, and this really shows the power of having what I call this, this content curation and repurposing strategy. So every week, every Sunday, I have a newsletter that's gone out for almost four years now. And as part of that, we have this content curation where we pull stuff from across our industry that are important and put that into this newsletter every week. People see that as their thing to read on Sunday and go to and click on links to read what the biggest important thing is and going in their space. Then they're used to opening our emails. They're used to clicking on the emails. That's why we have high open to click rates. Then we can use that and focus it, you know, like a laser when you actually need to promote your own event or promote your own thing or promote something important in the world. We've done it where we've had a large scale disaster and they need relief. We know we have a list of people that were open and click. So we'll actually put maybe the, um, you know, the volunteer page or the donations page in there. So it's not just, you know, using the sell stuff. It's having an actionable group of people that are involved and um, committed and invested in what you do having them be able to easily take action and be used to taking action on your stuff. So point number one, you need to have a newsletter you want to do this sort of thing, and they must be opening and clicking your newsletter. And this is something you can only build up with trust and time and responsibility. Second point I want to put is this, you know, power of a story. This email I sent where you don't even have to wear pants and talked about jet lag and, you know, flying to China and having to stand for 12 hours at a time on these hard floors at the, the exhibition shows. These are things that really resonated with the audience um, because it was a story. And it only generated a handful of sales but generate the most engagement, the most feedback. People are emailing me saying, that was a great email, or oh, I hate when that happens. I hate when I pack too much stuff in my backpack. Your back kills you. I feel like more stories would actually further increase the engagement sales. It's something I'm going to be looking at doing even further, uh, moving you know, into using newsletters and, and new in, in different ways. If you're interested, again, in using the story approach or you're not sure what to write in your newsletters, not sure what headlines to use, you can pick up this swipe package at grabblogger.com slash 58 and get all the emails I've been talking about in this episode um, that, again, converted into 74 sales, which ends up being, I don't think I can do the math in my head, but you know, tens of thousands of dollars, uh, multiples of tens of thousands of dollars in sales for the conference just from these emails that we sent out. And you get them for free at grabblogger.com slash 58. Um, use these as templates to build your own campaign as well. So that's it for this episode of the Grabblogger podcast. As always, you can get the show notes and a full transcript um, of this episode, a PDF download as well at grabblogger.com slash 58.